Sorry, everyone, if I get super emotional (laughs) because it's hard to go back and talk about the suffering that you went through. From indigestion to migraines and depression, Ashley has been diagnosed with it all. So this week, we're diving into that confusing, winding, and scary path on Lyme in life. Ashley will tell us how it really feels to experience these horrible symptoms while fighting to find out what was wrong with her. I'm Emily, here with my sister Ashley, our resident Lyme warrior. Or as I like to say it, Girl, I got that limey lime, that limey lime, that limey lime. (laughs) I can't help but laugh every time you say that. I first was diagnosed with Lyme disease. It was very scary and unrealistic. I just, it wasn't a reality. I didn't want to believe it at first. And I think people that I've discussed this with that have Lyme disease as well, they felt the exact same thing that I did. It's unbelievable. You actually go through a period of denial. And I still can't believe you have Lyme disease. You hear about it, but don't think it will affect you or your loved ones. At least that's what I thought. I mean, what does it feel like to be one of the hundreds of thousands diagnosed with Lyme disease each year? Probably for those first 30 days of like, do I really have this? I've been given so many diagnoses prior to this. Do I really have Lyme disease? And you have to just come to the terms that this is the journey that you were given. I'm a very strong in my faith and I'm faithful. So I believe that I've been brought to this for a reason. So maybe this was the reason to get more information out to people that, you know, feel alone and feel like there is no way out and that they're never going to get better because that's what I've noticed talking to other people that have Lyme disease. There is so much information that you can become bogged down and scared and get into your own head. It then be, starts to take over your emotional well-being and you feel like you can't get out of where you are. And I've heard a lot of experts say that one of the biggest parts of treatment in Lyme disease is not just medicine. It it is taking care of your well-being, meditating, you know, yoga, exercising the little bit that you can, depending on how much pain that you're in and joint pain and muscle fatigue and just overall fatigue. It's been the most helpful to talk to other people. I would say it's helpful and it's hurtful. So it's been helpful to hear that I'm not alone, but it's hurtful because their journey is completely different than mine. That's what makes Lyme disease so difficult that everyone experiences it differently. So out of the people that I had discussed it with, one was like, oh, I felt extremely better within three months. And I'm like, I'm on my third and a half month. (laughs) I do not feel better. I'm on my third and a half month and I feel no differently, you know, and that was really scary for me. So I chatted with probably about six different people. And I think that I finally had to stop because I was comparing my journey to everyone else's. And it was giving me anxiety that I wasn't progressing to what they were progressing to, or that I was nervous that, I would be as worse off as they currently still were. Yeah, it's such a different spectrum. And, you know, like that's why we talked about why you wanted to do it because, you know, you have these strong symptoms, but you're continuing to work while some people can't work and other people recovered super quickly. So like you said, like you kind of got freaked out, like, whoa, why am I not feeling better yet after three months like this girl? So I think that can be hard too. And you know, there's probably even more people out there with Lyme that don't even know that they have it, which is why, you know, for this episode, we really wanted to focus on 
how long it took you to find out that you had Lyme disease. I mean, you were diagnosed with so much more beforehand. I agree completely because that's why I had to be an advocate for myself. I noticed that no doctor, no health professional was going to give me the answers that I needed. I had a very unique case and Lyme disease is so hard to diagnose that if I want to have had advocated for myself, I would not be where I'm at today. I would probably still be on my search to figuring out what was happening to me and trying to get people to understand it was very serious on what was happening to me. I mean, it's scary because even as your sister and our mom and, you know, your husband and our brother, it was hard. The more the months went on, just still really not knowing what it was, then you don't know how to help the person. So then you end up feeling probably even more so alone. And then you have to advocate for yourself even more because now you're trying to explain it to your family along with explaining it to all these doctors. This is why we keep saying a journey because it's really been a journey for you trying to figure out and get diagnosed with Lyme disease. So just tell us a little bit about, you know, like when did you first start realizing something was different with your body. Like I remember you kind of starting to tell me like, "Mm, something's not starting to feel right, but I don't really know what it was. So we all were kind of just like, "Ah, whatever, like it'll go away. But tell us what it was like feeling that change in your body initially and what thoughts were going through your head and what you were thinking it was. So sorry, everyone, if I get super emotional because it's hard to go back and talk about the suffering that you went through. It's really hard. I'm going to try to keep it together (laughs) as much as I can. But it's good that you do hear this because it's bad. It's a breakdown. It's very scary. And you're very alone. Even though I had such a support system with my family and my husband, they don't understand. And you'll find that people don't understand. They don't want to understand. They want you to get better. They think you have the flu. They think you have a cold that you're going to get over in a few weeks. And you don't. You don't have that. So um, I knew something was really wrong. And back in January of 2019, I started getting extreme digestive issues. I've always had like issues with heartburn and acid reflux, but not to the degree that I started feeling it probably, I would say November, November of 2018, I noticed this extreme bouts of heartburn that would wake me up in the middle of my sleep. I would literally, you know, it felt like almost like a heart attack. And I was like reassuring myself, you know, it's just acid reflux. And I thought maybe I'm consuming too much wine or my diet isn't quite in place. So I was trying to eat better and do better so that I wouldn't experience this heartburn. But I mean, it was getting to the point where I would eat a banana that's supposed to subside heartburn and I was getting acid reflux. So it started to become very scary. First week of January, 2019. And I felt like something was in my chest and I started to get really nervous because I'm like, okay, I'm now to the point where I can barely swallow and I feel like I can't breathe. So I need to definitely go get this checked out. It was two, two and a half months by that point of like suffering. I go through the natural progression. They think it has something to do with digestive. So they send me to a digestive health doctor who performed an endoscopy where they head down your esophagus and into your stomach to see what is going on with your upper digestive system. 
he found that my stomach was severely inflamed and that there was a possible infection. And then I also had a very inflamed esophagus. And that is why I had that feeling of something stuck uh, in my throat because the swelling had gotten so bad that it was starting to become a structure and tighten. So I wasn't able to pass food down my esophagus as easily as before because the acid that was shooting into my esophagus was creating that. He said that the acid was so bad that while he was going down the endoscopy, that the acid was just shooting up consistently. He said it was one of the worst he'd ever seen. So it was pretty scary. And I'm not sure what was going on. So naturally, what do they do? They put you on uh, PPIs. Uh, Meprazole is a popular one. I was on Dexalant. So I went on that right away. They put me on high doses of Zantac to try to subside this. And I had to change my whole diet. I can tell you that I obviously felt better. Uh, I was on these drugs that were subsiding my my acid reflux and I thought I was, we found it. I thought, okay, I'm just getting a little bit older. Uh, I'm in my early thirties. So I guess this is what starts to happen. Your body starts to fight back. I thought that that was it and we found it, but I never, I just wasn't feeling well from that moment, po- that point on. I changed my diet. I lost a lot of weight. I was following a very strict diet and no matter what, I was still getting little bouts of heartburn. And I was talking to the doctor and because I had a follow-up appointment with him every month and he couldn't explain to me why I was still having that. So it was very unnerving that he couldn't explain to me why I was still having those issues with the acid reflux and heartburn. And he had also diagnosed me with GERD. Just a recap first, they thought it was digestive, maybe heartburn, acid reflux. Our father, thank you for that. <laughs> is popping Zantac like chiclets every day. So that yeah. would have been normal for you to think it was that, but you continued then to have other problems. So what was next? Well, I just wasn't overall feeling well. Uh, obviously the heartburn had subsided for the most part and the feeling in the chest had gone away, but I just didn't feel well. Like I felt very fatigued and tired all the time. I'm a wedding planner. So I have to be on my feet all the time. I have to be on my A game all the time. I have nowhere to slow down. So I just noticed I couldn't handle as much as I used to. And I'm like, maybe you're getting older. Like I was making excuses at every moment, not really trusting my body. I wasn't trusting that I knew my body. So we, my husband and I took a nice vacation to Northern California. I love wine. And we went to wine country and we then went down the California coast and we were so excited to be doing that. I'm usually so excited for vacation. You, you know, I love to travel. Yeah. Yeah. Anywhere that's near wine. <laughs> <laughs> so hence maybe why all this acid reflux now. Um, <laughs> and we love national parks. So we were excited to go to Yosemite. I just could not keep up with my husband. Like I felt very tired all the time. And that just like, wasn't me. And I was getting more and more aware of what was going on. We went on a cruise at the end of our vacation to Ensenada, Mexico. That's the wine country of Mexico. And when we got back, I contracted a horrible virus, I believe from either the airports or the cruise line. I'm not sure where I got it. I actually got home and I had a fever of about 102 and it wasn't good at all. It was probably one of the worst viruses wasn't that when you, mom, and I went up to Erie? Yes. The Lime Trail? And yes. you were feeling like super bad. And that's not you to just kind of want to stop and just be like, okay, I really don't feel good. Like, I think I, I can't do anything. Like, I have to, you know, stay at the hotel room or go home. So that was kind of like eye opening 
for me. So I, I remember that getting home and us thinking that it was either a parasite or a virus or something because that, you know, weekend trip we took, you were so sick and had such a high fever. Yeah. So my end of my vacation was you coming home and us going to Erie to do their wine trail. I definitely got this virus and was very sick. I remember waking up in the middle of the night and my skin was so hot to touch. I had to get in the lukewarm shower while you both were still asleep. And I was just crying in there. I, I was in so much pain. So I started, it was about two weeks later and I was still having bad symptoms from the virus. The, the fever had subsided, but I wasn't, I wasn't feeling normal. I was having a bad cold now. It was like turning into upper respiratory. So I called the doctor because I'm like, okay, something's going on. It's a virus that I'm having trouble beating. And she just said, you know, the typical that I needed to take over the counter medication, take some more time off from work and rest. Two weeks after the onset of the virus, a couple of days after the two week period, I started getting these extreme pressure headaches. I am not a headache person. I've never had headaches. I don't even get tension headaches. Maybe a few headaches during the friendly time of month, but nothing to the degree that I experienced. <laughs> Did you just? <laughs> call it the friendly time of the month. Yeah, because anybody calls it the friendly time. Because you have to make a negative a positive. Little Red Riding Hood came to town. Yes, Little Red Riding Hood visits. And that's maybe <laughs> where I'll get a little headache. This was so disastrous. I mean, it was to the point where I thought I was, I had a helmet on and it was going to explode. Mm. My head, it was like the most pressure you've ever felt in your life. And you just felt like someone had put like an air compressor into your ear and was blowing up your head and it was just going to blow into a million pieces. And I took like round the clock, 800 milligrams of ibuprofen. Nothing was touching it. And I'm looking at Bryce, my husband, and I'm saying something is wrong. Like I cannot get these headaches to go away. It's not a normal headache. It's like a headache that I can't describe to you. And then I like to take ibuprofen. I'm always like, take the ibuprofen. And you're like, no, it'll go away. So for you to take that much ibuprofen like that, I do not like medicine. I'm more herbalistic. I like herbs and vitamins and, you know, doing things on your own, just taking it through diet. I'm very much that person. So I was like, at that point, give me any medicine that I could possibly take, but it wasn't touching it. So basically fast forward into that moment to going back in time, I knew that something was very wrong at that point. The headaches were round the clock. I was now starting to have cognitive issues. I couldn't think straight. I couldn't form sentences. I'm a singer. So I would start singing and completely forget what I was singing or what I just said. I would walk into a room and be like, where am I? And what am I doing? I would go into work. And as a wedding planner, I always had to remember what it was coming next. And I couldn't, I had to make alarms on my phone. It was absolutely terrible of, of like about now four weeks of doing this nonstop with these headaches and cognitive disability, I started to get really nervous. So I made a call to my primary care physician. I went in there and I'm emotional at this point. I am now to the point where I don't understand what's happening to me. I'm having anxiety attacks and I've never had anxiety attacks in my life. I think I had one back in college, but I was having these extreme anxiety attacks because I felt so terrible and I didn't know where they were coming from. Like it felt like my central nervous system was being attacked. Telling you, I was like, oh, it's probably you're getting panic attacks or you're dissociating because with me having dissociation, 
frequently. I mean, that feels like brain fog. And so I was even telling you like, maybe you just need to go to a therapist. Yes. So then that's when you start down the route of doctors. This is where my journey began. Even though it began in January with the digestive doctor, it really began in April of 2019. Primary care physician said that it was all in my head, that I had extreme depression and anxiety, which I've never been depressed in my entire life. So it was really hard to hear something like that, but I just felt my gut that something was not right. So I asked her after I left the appointment, I was completely disillusioned. I was so upset. I was crying. And she said, see, this is why I know that you have anxiety and depression. Later to find out, side note, that this nurse practitioner actually worked on the side for a psychologist and psychiatric center. So this is what she was used to diagnosing people with. So she really didn't look at my case as unique. She looked at me as just another person with anxiety and depression. To be that person, because we hear this very frequently, but that's what happened to me. She forwarded me onto a cognitive psychologist and that was kind of the end of what she suggested. So at that point, I started advocating for myself because I didn't want to just go down that avenue. I needed to figure out what's going on with me. I was having extreme cognitive issues at this point. Uh, We were about a month and a half now into all of these symptoms and I was getting more by the day. I was getting like facial twitching and a muscle twitching and joint pain. And I was having low grade fevers and the disturbed sleep was off the charts. I'm the best sleeper. You know that, Emily. I could sleep for 15 hours. (laughs) Time to wake up, especially on like Christmas morning when we were younger. I'm like, get up. It's 11 a.m. Santa came. Time to hit the hit the tree. Yes. I'm like a great sleeper. So I knew something was wrong. I called up the NP and the primary care physician and said, I want a referral to an ear, nose and throat doctor. And I want a Lyme disease test because ding, ding, ding. When you start not feeling well, you start going back into your past and you say, okay, what has happened to me in the past year that was not so right and where you didn't feel well? Well, I had remembered back in July of 2018 that I was at a friend's house and I was using the restroom and I stood up and saw an attached engorged tick in my pelvic region. I had had a couple glasses of wine at that point and not realizing what that could mean. I just simply ripped it off my skin and threw it away. I didn't think anything of it, but it was completely attached and it was engorged. And I thought back to that moment and said, there's no way, there's no way this could be Lyme disease. There's just not, no, there's no way. And even back then I remember thinking, hmm, maybe I should go get a Lyme test just because this tick was attached and engorged. And it's probably been on my skin for, I don't know how long because it was in my pelvic region where I wouldn't look. That's probably where my biggest mishap was. So I asked for a Lyme test and then ear, nose and throat. I went and got the Lyme test. It was negative. And they made sure to let me know that because she was like, I told you it wasn't Lyme. And so I took her word for it and I moved on. So I went to the ear, nose and throat. They did a lot of testing on me. There is a test that checks the, it pushes air through your ears and it tests your inner ear function. We'll put in the show notes what that's called because it's kind of difficult to explain. But in my inner ear, that is where your balance is. And so they were trying to figure out why I was having all this imbalance and dizziness because that was one of the worst symptoms I've had too. I would wake up in the middle of the night to use a restroom. It's not funny, but I'd fall down to the ground. Um, <laughs> like I was on a tilt a I know, and that's not funny, but just thinking of you. Just... <laughs> all I needed to do was go to the restroom and it was like I was on a tilt a Yeah, it was not, not drunk, folks. She is. 
I was just imbalanced. Yeah. So needless to say, uh, I did those tests. The doctor called me in a few weeks later and said, Bing, we found it. You have inner cochlear dysfunction. Well, that sounds fun. What does that mean? <laughs> it means you have early onset Meniere's disease. This is also something we'll put in the show notes. Meniere's is something that most that are diagnosed with it are in their early 50s and on. So I said, well, at this point, I'm not surprised by anything because at this point, I feel like I'm on the fast track to an early death (laughs) because (laughs) you just add Meniere's to the list. They give you a histamine. So it's not an antihistamine for allergies. They give you a compound called histamine uh, and it's supposed to draw fluid and blood away from the inner ear so that you start to get a little bit of balance. But if you look up Meniere's, it is not what I had at all. And it's, I understand it was early onset, so it could be a little bit different. But Meniere's is when you're like, do, 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 I'm walking down the street and then I hear this rushing, roaring sound. And then the world just spins like crazy, like I'm on a roller coaster. And then I vomit and I'm better. When you had said, oh, I think this is what I have. Let me look up those symptoms. Number one, just to, you know, see if that's what you're experiencing. And then come to find out Caleb was having all of those symptoms. So it was more likely that like he was experiencing something like that. So when I was telling you like, hey, this is what happens to him. He feels like his whole world just like turns to the side and he gets really panicky and nauseated. And you're like, "Mm, that's not quite what's happening with me. Yes, it was completely different you know, from that. So I just tried to trust the doctors and, you know, took the histamines and, uh, so try to keep my diet in the right place. And you can't drink alcohol anymore on Meniere's because it's all about in the inner ear. It's like a pool of water. And once the middle pool, it's like a, it's like a kidney pool and the middle is your balance. And once that middle fluid leaks into the other parts, that's when the off balance happens. So alcohol can actually increase that, which for me as a big wine drinker, that was probably one of the most devastating things I could have ever been told. So that was the hard part. So I went on through the summer. I decided I wanted a second opinion. So I decided to go to another primary care physician in Pittsburgh. I had an appointment with her in July after the ear, nose, and throat. I just wanted to after that horrible experience with the one where I'm from, I decided that I did not want to go back there. So I wanted to get another opinion. After telling her I was diagnosed with Meniere's, I was telling her this histamine wasn't really helping me and I wasn't having these symptoms of Meniere's. So she referred me to a, a neurologist because I was still having all the headaches. I was still having all these issues. So I went to the neurologist in August and they diagnosed me with chronic headaches. For someone who's never had headaches like in their entire life, I was like, I just don't understand it. Like I wasn't, nobody could give me a clear explanation. They first thought it was a disorder that some women get in their early thirties where it has something to do with their spine and the, I'm not any medical professional here, but it's something that comes behind your eye that becomes inflamed and then it puts too much fluid onto your brain. And that's what creates the dizziness, imbalance, headaches, everything I was experiencing. So how many diagnoses? is that at this point in your journey? Because I'm trying to come back through my head, but it's like... It's a lot. Yeah. So you have January was digestive health issue. You have April psychology, like anxiety attacks, depression diagnosis. Then I had the Meniere's diagnosis. Then I had the chronic headaches diagnosis and migraine diagnosis in August. Okay. 
So by this point, I am completely disillusioned. I That's the best word to put it. I don't even know what to do anymore because everything that they're putting me on is not working. I The histamines aren't working. The diet change isn't working. I'm feeling worse and worse and worse. Now I'm starting to get extreme fatigue and joint pain and chills. And my sleep is so disturbed that I'm waking up in the middle of the night with night sweats. I just don't know what's happening to me anymore. So I reach out to my mom's friend who is a holistic nurse and said, you have to help me. I, I don't know what to do anymore. I Medicine isn't working. They actually diagnosed me with those chronic headaches and gave me Topamax. And it literally made me feel like I was walking through a sand pit. I mean, it was horrible. I literally didn't think I was going to make it by that point. She put me on all these vitamins, a lot of like probiotics. And I completely, I did the whole 30 for the whole month of September of 2019. I felt, I would say the best version of terrible. I felt absolutely horrible, but it's like, I felt like aware horrible. Like I started to go see a chiropractor and I would never talk down onto that business. I think if it helps you, for sure, it helped me during that time. It was honestly set me back. They made me believe that it was all because of anxiety, that I was having all these cognitive issues and that they needed to teach me how to deal with anxiety better and deep breathing. I did this for two months, September and October. I completely changed my diet. I lost 40 pounds. I was on every vitamin under the shining sun. And the dizziness and imbalance were just getting 10 times worse. The joint pain, I was now getting, the facial twitching was so severe that it literally felt like an alien had taken over my skin. Like it was just jumping. I was like, I'm so embarrassed. I don't even know what to do anymore. And nobody could give me answers. Not one single person. The chiropractor just said, you just have to keep coming back to me and and we'll get this resolved. Three times a week. And that's a lot of money, especially, you know, even with those vitamins, which I'm sure can be very helpful if you are in the type of situation where you need those, but that's very expensive, even for someone who has a steady job and steady income. So it, it's scary to think that, you know, if you don't have funds like that and they're telling you that's what you need, like, what do you do? Yes. You just have to listen. And I know we'll talk about this in later episodes about the financial burden and trying to figure out what to do for yourself to make yourself better and happy and withstandable is the best word that you can live like somewhat of a life. I was spiraling by October because I was so upset that I wasn't there yet that I didn't understand. And the chiropractor tried to tell me that it would take six months of three times a week on this regimen to feel better. He was basically giving me false hope for something that he didn't know what was wrong with me. He was looking at my blood work and saying, everything looks normal and fine. It's just because you're so inflamed. Well, I was inflamed because I had a bacteria in my body that was wreaking havoc and you couldn't find it. And because it wasn't showing up on blood tests, on the normal average blood test, even though my ANA, which tests your antibodies, was off, that something wasn't right. And they were just trying to tell me, oh, well, that just could be anything. Well, that's not a very medical professional advice that it could just be anything. What do you mean it could just be anything? If your ANA is showing something, something is happening. That's scary because those are the people that you're supposed to be able to go to for answers. Like we said, this podcast isn't about, you know, the science behind it because we don't know a lot about that. 
like you and I, or just the normal person that may be suffering with something like that. So you go to those people to look for those answers. I think the final straw was at the end of October, I called Bryce on the phone and I was, I just had a horrible anxiety attack and I felt completely alone and lost. And my husband works two hours away from me. So I was going to home to an empty house. I just did not want to go on at that point. And I just wanted anybody to help me. I had completely changed my whole lifestyle. And you're telling me I didn't feel any better at all, that I felt worse. I had this feeling deep down that it could be Lyme disease, but nobody could back me up. The tests weren't backing me up. The doctors weren't trying to help me find what it was. That's when I knew it had to have been something more serious. It kept bringing me back to when I found that tick. It had to be Lyme disease. On next week's episode, we'll dive into how Ashley really got into her Lyme journey after being misdiagnosed multiple times. Next time on Lyme in Life. We want to thank Vishmuk again for our intro and outro music, I Am Okay. 